Support for this episode comes from Venture Noir. Venture Noir's mission is to unify family foundations, nonprofit organizations, and venture capital by creating a sustainable economic impact ecosystem. With programs like In the Black and Dare to Venture, they're working to reduce the wealth gap in the U.S. Learn more at VentureNoir.org. Support for this episode comes from High Ground Hair Space. High Ground Hair Space features a new approach to hair and human care that includes gender-free pricing and a focus on sustainability. Find them on Instagram at High Ground Hair Space to see their work. Book an appointment and learn more about their mission. Welcome, everybody. I'm your host, Emma Willis. Thank you all for joining me today on Raising a CEO. The podcast explores the idea that great leaders aren't born. Instead, they're grown. We're going to have some amazing folks dropping in to share their experiences so we can learn more about what it takes to successfully lead an organization. In this season, we start with the idea of the infancy stage of becoming a CEO. On today's show, we're talking to Sharon Reynolds, President and CEO of Devmar Manufacturing and Devmar Global Healthcare Solutions, as well as the founder of Bryla J. Couture. She's won countless awards for environmental stewardship and has been recognized for her work as a leader in women's entrepreneurship, becoming the first African-American star in the 25-year history of WBEC South. Welcome, Sharon, to Raising a CEO podcast. It was, I think it was just fortune and uh, and sheer luck. So I was on a call with uh, Esther Silver Parker, which, you know, I believe she's a major influence in your life. And she said, there is a woman you should absolutely interview. And I was like, OK, tell me more. I, <laughs> I don't I don't know everybody. So give me some details. And while I'm sitting here waiting in anticipation, she goes, you need to talk to Sharon. And I was like, okay, tell me more about Sharon. So while I'm pulling out the information, she talks to me a little bit about you and Dev Mar and how you have been on this journey and excelling 100% of the way and how you have just redefined the look of people in your industry. And so I was like, I absolutely want to have this woman on the podcast to, to learn a little bit more about your journey. And I think it's great that it's a black woman, too, because a lot of times representation absolutely matters. Just being able to see somebody in a specific sector doing the things that you thought were impossible is part of what we do here. Raising a CEO is giving you the opportunity to have that reflection and have that person out there that's doing it to continuously encourage you and help you move through this process. And so without further ado, guys, I would love to introduce you to Sharon Sharon is the president and CEO of Devmar Manufacturing and Devmar Global Healthcare Solutions. And Sharon, that's a lot. And you also, <laughs> there's also some fashion that we have to touch on too in this, this show. So I'm going to kick this off properly with question number one. So when we think about CEOs, you know, some people get hired on as CEO, but you did it in your own way. Haven't started Devmar from the ground up. So as you've worked to make this vision a reality, did you feel like you were doing this on your own or how much do you owe your success to other people? And if you have any examples, I would love to hear those. Well, sure, Emma. 
And thank you so much for the opportunity. I absolutely love Esther Silva Parker. She is my mentor. She's a hero. She's paved the way for so many women who are coming behind her. And uh, we appreciate everything she's done. So you never really are on this journey by yourself. Mm -hmm. I have successfully launched four companies. In addition to Devmar Products, in addition to Devmar Manufacturing, there's Devmar Products, there's Devmar Global Healthcare Solutions, and there's Bryla J. Couture Clothiers. Devmar Products was launched in 2007 with the whole idea of sustainability. How are we going to help corporations reduce their carbon footprint? And we launched as a typical Jansan distributor, janitorial sanitary supplies, but quickly moved into specialty products that would eradicate pathogens, but do so safely. We partnered with the Morehouse School of Medicine's research team, and we have products that will essentially eradicate COVID-19 in addition to other pathogens that keeps us uh, in a situation where we're not in safe spaces. Devmar Manufacturing was launched so that we could make sure that we have excellent compliance whenever there is FDA and EPA regulatory laws that we have to follow with uh, with our products that are going to mm-hmm. impact our society. Devmar Global Healthcare Solutions was launched because I partnered with a company called NICU in Portland, Oregon, where we distribute commercially sterilized human donor breast milk to micropremie and at-risk infants in NICUs across the Wow. Island. Okay, Sharon, we get yeah, slow. Slow down. Okay. <laughs> this so, is a lot. Uh, needless to say, I am a, I hate to use the word serial. Uh, I'm a very serious entrepreneur. Everything that we do has to matter. So mm-hmm. you don't really do the journey on your own. I'm a fifth generation Nashville native uh, with a rich family history of talented and proud African-American family members who faithfully served our city with multiple gifts. Mm-hmm. My father was the first African-American fireman in the late 1960s. And my grandfather was a very successful entrepreneur in the early 50s. So I owe it to them. I stand on their shoulders. My mm-hmm. aunt Gloria, who taught me how to sew early in life. I made my own clothes by the time I was in the seventh grade. And my mother is just my hero. And then the social injustice. I always felt like at an early age, I needed to do something to make a change. I'm a product of Jim Crow. And mm-hmm. I was six years old when the laws changed. So I was, all, I, was, I was old enough to recognize that something wasn't right. Mm-hmm. So that's how I started and still going strong. That is a wealth of things that you've accomplished. And a congratulations on all of them. Because for me, that was, that was both inspirational and it's making me just want to aspire for more because that's a lot. That was that was a tremendous amount of things. So I have to talk to you a little bit about how this whole chemical janitorial sanitorial thing came into your space. Like, what was the problem you were looking to solve initially? Okay. Well, you know, there there is a story behind the launch and getting into that uh, business in the first place. I was a, a mortgage banker, a real estate broker. Of course, the economic downturn hit us hard in 2008. Just uh, come off a tremendous real estate brokerage career. Prior to that, I owned a mortgage company and sold it. So it was really, things were going great. My husband at that time had a 30-year-old facilities management and janitorial service that served our country regionally. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I thought, okay, so it's it's called about pivoting and reinvention. 
So mm-hmm. I was able to reinvent myself by going to him and saying, okay, I'm going to start uh, selling you janitorial supplies and you're going to buy them from me. And we're going to name the company after our two sons, Devin and Marco. And that's where the name Devmar comes from. That's awesome. So it's still, it's all about the family. You make sure you bring that, that theme back into everything that you do. I love that. Absolutely. It was so important as part of our journey to create a legacy, to continue mm-hmm. that legacy for our family. So that's where that came in. And so my interest was, I'm also a natural germaphobe. So my interest was, how do we differentiate ourselves from just the typical Me Too products in a mm-hmm. white male dominated industry? I mean, I wanted to be taken seriously. And fortunately, in Nashville, uh, the reputation was there as a, uh, a Nashville native. People already knew me. So I could start locally. And we did. We ended up with uh, the Metro Nashville Airport Authority as a big first uh, customer. The first time in the airport's 75 year history that a black woman was able to win the contract for janitorial supplies for a five year period. So that was a significant milestone that really started to gain exposure for our company. And so we just continued to segue into trying to develop products that would uh, cure pain points in industries. That is amazing. And I remember you talking about the people's whose shoulders you stand on in the process of of creating all of these amazing uh, companies. Talk to me about the team that surrounded Sharon in the course of you becoming this dynamic woman slash CEO and serial entrepreneur. Like where, who was the person you called in the middle of the night when the problem was like just still on your brain and you couldn't sleep? Or who were the people who stood around you in the course of the day? when you were just exhausted and needed that championing or cheerleading on to the next effort or event or initiative? Well, I always have to initially pay homage to God. Mm-hmm. Uh, my faith has brought me through mm-hmm. the, the stumbling blocks, the roadblocks that uh, entrepreneurs continue to face, especially African-American entrepreneurs. We face hurdles that you typically don't face. The people of color have um big issues, access to capital and things mm-hmm. of that nature. So God, it was always there for me. My husband, we this year we celebrate our 43rd year. and our wedding Happy was- anniversary. Thank you very much. And so grit, stamina, and just the, the, the stick-to-itness. Uh, so I'd always defer to him because he's a wise soul. And then I would always reach out to a couple of girlfriends that uh, could listen to me and hear hear me out because sometimes all you need is uh, that that shoulder to lean on mm-hmm. uh, for you know someone that you trust that you know will not steer you wrong as you're walking through scenarios and you mm-hmm. really want that. And then of course uh, the partnership with Morehouse has been tremendous. They're just a great institution, and we've worked on some projects there. And I do have a, a fantastic person who is my director of product development. And we sit and hash out uh, different scenarios and we talk about uh, pain points in industries and we go directly to the industry, directly to the customer. If we could present this to you, would it work for solving Mm -hmm. that sort of thing to a lot of the Fortune 500s? So that's kind of how we um, circle the wagon to make sure that we are uh, moving forward. That's awesome. And I love the fact that it's your husband your girlfriends, God. And then we have a historically black college and university. 
that I think you're the first person to mention one on my podcast so far that they've been an integral part in your success and your ability to keep manufacturing or creating new products. So I think that's beautiful when these ecosystems exist and we understand what it means to give back and continuously be a part of some of these spaces because they do need to see you doing this work and you never know who you're inspiring. So I loved everything about your answers. And I can say a good girlfriend or best friend is always the first person you call when you just got to just talk about a bunch of stuff and you don't need a response. You just got to <laughs> need to talk about it all to somebody. I have been looking at some of the awards that you've won for your work. And let's talk about the ones that are really around and being this environmental steward. Talk to me a little bit about that work. Well, thank you for mentioning that. Most recently, the Nashville Medical News named me as one of the top women to watch in 2021. That is a prestigious recognition in Nashville because it really is a national recognition in the medical news publication because of the work that we've done to help eradicate COVID-19. So that was just announced uh, last week. So I was really excited to hear about that. We've also won, uh, when I say we, it's a team. So Mm -hmm. I receive these awards. It's a team that stands with me and I share the success. So I was named top 20 in 2020 by the Enterprise and Women of uh, women who have excelled in business as entrepreneurs. And then, of course, I was so, so real. I was just so excited and grateful that Essence Magazine in 2019, I believe, named us as a woman to watch in what we're doing in in chemical sustainability and uh, moving our companies forward. And I'm so proud to be a part of the Women Business Collaborative which is one of the most significant movements for women of our time. And the WBC is uh, centered on driving change for women in non-action initiatives, access to capital, women in the C-suite, women on corporate boards, et cetera. And then we report uh, the data to see where uh, the change is actually driving. So I, I love the responsibility in reporting the data. Yeah, it, I, I, yes, important. That's great. It is extremely important. And so I uh, serve on the board for the WBC and also for Women Business Enterprise National Council, which is all to- geared toward women moving the needle where uh, statistically it was stated it would take 70 years to get women where parity exists. And mm-hmm. uh, we said n- not on our watch. So we're going to move uh, and work together, driving change faster together. And that's exactly what's happening with the WBC, WeBank, and some of the other women's organizations. You'll hear me say that a lot because I do stand behind what it takes to get women to the next level Mm -hmm. and then mentoring other women who are coming behind, women like me who've been in business for over 30 years. I mean, I've never seen a U-Haul behind a hearse, as they say. You can't take it with you <laughs> to our next generation of women and in particular women of color. We've been so uh, absent from the supply chain and absent mm-hmm. from the boardroom and absent from a lot of places. Well, now time's up. It's our time. And so mm-hmm. we take advantage of the opportunities that are there right now. Major corporations are coming after companies like ours because they know they've been remiss. And providing opportunities. And we're going to take the advantage while the door is open and take to drive change to the next generation. 
it makes good business sense for corporations to participate in diversity in all genres of business. Mm-hmm. Okay, Sharon. Okay, you just get to a sermon that we'll have to circle back on a part two because that's that whole corporate responsibility and the black woman and the black community piece is definitely an entirely conversation into itself. And it sounds like you've been one of those pioneers in making sure women, specifically black women, are part of that conversation and making sure you help to push us forward. So thank you for all your contributions. I am literally standing here in all of everything that you've accomplished. I'm looking at this long sheet of paper. So I'm sitting here going, I don't have time to talk to Sharon about everything she's done, but this is great. I have more questions about you growing into this role as CEO. When people use those three letters, (laughs) what is the first thing that comes to mind for you as a CEO? What the responsibility looks like, what the person should be doing in terms of leadership, Just give me an idea of you and how you feel about this huge title of chief executive officer. Wow, that's a great question. And I I think it uh, centers on leadership, building trust, resolving conflict, being there as a a visionary, Mm -hmm. making sure you're driving change that's going to impact your company and the lives of those that serve in your business so that they can see you in the direction that they would like to grow. Mm-hmm. Always look at grooming the next person who can sit in my chair. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, and hopefully it's a woman. And mm-hmm. that's very, very important. So it's uh, communication is key. The company is doing well and growing and they can see that from you as the chief executive officer. As a lot of responsibility that comes with that. So when it comes to and I think you talked, you touched on setbacks just a little bit earlier. You talked to us about how you got to DevMar growing and it was during the economic downturn. But talk to me a little bit more about what one of the largest setbacks you experienced as a CEO. And this question is pretty important because a lot of times we do a great job in the media glorifying CEOs for all the success. And we rarely ever take the time to stop and talk about the various setbacks or things that we quote unquote fail. I think failures are always things people should experience, by the way. But talk to me a little bit about some of those defining moments or setbacks that you've experienced that allowed you to keep pushing forward and learn what it is to face these things and then come out triumphant. Sure, sure. Oh my gosh, your questions are fantastic. Thank you. Um, well, thank you. I think uh, my passion as a, a serial entrepreneur, I think, b- means building something that does not exist that can change the world. Mm. Uh, I'm not just driven by prosperity. I have learned a multitude of lessons along my journey, and failure is not a permanent option, nope. but it is okay to fail. Mm-hmm. So, it's good. Sometimes. Say that one more time. It's okay to do what, Sharon? It is okay to fail. It, it really is. Okay. It is not a permanent option. Uh, my motto is, Emma, is to, to don't be afraid of square one. A lot of people mm. are like, I've launched my business. I'm going down the road. Three years later, something happens and provides a major setback. Well, that means you might have to go back to square one. Or when you go back to square one, you're going to be filled with experience and wisdom. Mm-hmm. So you can propel and get started again. So don't 
be afraid of the pitfalls because they teach you lessons Mm -hmm. to move forward. So starting over has no shame. It's uh, some of the best lessons learned in life. As well, I think maybe uh, as we all have issues with uh, uh, starting businesses, I actually started my business, bootstrapped it myself. I was able to launch it with my own personal revenue. But uh, access to capital to facilitate production, growth, and to procure excellent talent is difficult in mm-hmm. a male-dominated business. When you, you know, uh, sitting in front of those who might be uh, able to move your business forward and they're, they're not really as serious about your business as you are. Today, mm-hmm. it's changed because there's a lot of capital for women of color. You just have to know where to find it. But I've also learned to have thick skin and never take no for an answer. So that's Mm -hmm. that's number two, I think, of being a successful entrepreneur. Thank you for that. And I think there's there's a great deal of wisdom in everything you had to say, because a lot of times failure feels permanent for people. But it's really just that short term sting of thinking that you've been embarrassed to some extent. But I could point out maybe zero people (laughs) when I walk down the sidewalk that are willing to take the risk that entrepreneurs are. And they are the people that shape and give life to this nation. Innovation is probably America's greatest gift. We are we are chief innovators. And to see you sit in front of me right now and be extremely successful because you persevere is it's just amazing. It's beautiful. I, I really am excited because I didn't know what to expect on this interview for one. And the fact that you just have all of this knowledge to share has been extremely extremely exciting and both a blessing too, because I'm learning from you as you talk to me. Now, you just touched on something that I think, and it's going back to this access to capital and knowing where to find it. What have you seen in just in our communities, in the nation, in terms of having to help people identify those spaces that are willing to support them? Because that's one thing I do as an entrepreneurial support organization is try to point out those spaces that are more likely to support you in your journey. And it's really hard to get to those people if people don't know that. Like there there are a few people, we always know our banks are willing to give us a loan sometimes. And we also know that there's this buzzword of venture capital going on, but it's not for everybody. And then we have angel investors and then we have OPP, which are other people's money, OPM. Mm-hmm. And so... Talk to me a little bit about what you've done, maybe as a mentor or as this figure for other women out there to help them identify and find or source these spaces. Or has it been a difficult task? Well, so really in 2020, the doors really started to open up during the pandemic. So you say we're in a a devastating pandemic that's impacted the entire world. But something good has really come out of it with the pandemic, the social injustice climate and things of that nature, I think has really given our society and corporations uh, uh, some time to really sit back and and look to see where these disparities are and how they can help fill the gaps. There's a huge wealth gap among African-Americans and our white counterparts. Mm -hmm. So you'd be really surprised to know that you can go. Well, no, you can Google anything. So if you Google right now access to capital, so much is going to crop up. And Mm -hmm. I'll give you a really good example. Beyonce Knowles is probably one of the most generous entertainers and supportive of women. And she's just phenomenal. So someone told me about her Be Good Foundation. So I Googled it. 
I was working late one night. I submitted my company information because there was a a downturn in a lot of businesses uh, in 2020, even though we were creating products that would help uh, eradicate pathogens. There's still an avoid where, you know, you probably would need an injection. And so I submitted the application and was selected as one of the recipients of a $10,000 grant. And that congratulations. Yeah, thank you. I was so (laughs) surprised. And I think that's still going on. So it's the Be Good Foundation. It's uh, Hello Alice has teamed and partnered with corporations to be able to provide access to capital for uh, minority businesses. Goldman Sachs has just launched a campaign, $10 billion for 1 Mm -hmm. million African-American women. So Mm -hmm. please look into that because it is a serious drive to help move the needle for African-American women entrepreneurs. And the list is long. There are lots of capital opportunities out there right now that didn't exist in 2019. Mm -hmm. So I say go for it while the door is open because it won't stay open long, but there are opportunities there. So So we're getting ready to get closer to closing. So I got one more question before we get into our quick fire round of questions. So being eco-friendly and still trying to make a profit can sometimes be a conflicting objective. And that is because I'm guessing you sit square in the crosshairs of government policy reform, all these administrative changes. There are uh, probably a myriad of things that come down the pipe that affect you. But talk to me a little bit about, you know, where you really saw the line in the sand and had to take a stand one way or the other, profit or being this eco-friendly company? Sure, sure. Well, another great question, because during the early years, that was a a big problem. So after I launched my company and decided that I would look into the eco-environment, there was a slogan back then that stated, uh, green did not always mean clean. The way our company was able to overcome that stigma of cleaning products was that doing the job was to stay close to the industry in terms of the chemical makeup, to keep a real close relationship and close ties with the chemical manufacturers. The corporations back then were really, really trying to improve the carbon carbon footprint and to become good stewards in the communities in which they served and they set up shop. So that's what we did. We just, we stayed with it. We developed products that had a cradle to grave approach. Mm. One of our products is a biohazard absorbent with uh, five patents and it uh, absorbs bodily fluids and things of that nature. But if it ever reaches a landfill, it's non-leaching. And what that means is that it's not leaving a uh, carbon footprint. So Mm. we look at doing products, uh, uh, developing products and designing them in such a way that uh, they uh, are sustainable and responsible. But that situation has changed and continues to evolve and is getting better from when we started. The green does not always mean clean is not a slogan today because Mm -hmm. we are uh, maintaining our our eco environment and also making sure that spaces are healthy and safe. Okay, that I mean, you do your homework and, you know, the industry, I think staying in the industry is something that I learned, too. So I come from the financial and government space. And so I always made it a point to know everybody that was on any board, get every newsletter that was coming down because I needed to just stay informed on everything that was constantly changing to be able to stay prepared for what was to come. And so I I think there's a great lesson in that. 
Here we go. We're getting ready to move into quick fire questions. And I have the most random questions for you, too. <laughs> okay. This will be fun. This will be fun. Trust me. So question number one, what's the best compliment that you've received? Well, let's see that I didn't know a woman could be in your industry. It's always been a white male dominated space. Okay. I, I, put, I put that as a compliment. I'm like, absolutely. Well, that means your face will always stand out and they will always know your name. So in fact, it is a compliment. That is a compliment. It really and truly it is. Because, uh, you know, it's always to me, you know, do your job, prove them wrong and do well. Oh, yeah. Same mantra I live by. Next question. If you had to get a cat today, what would you name it? And hopefully you don't have a cat allergy because then this question just will never happen. <laughs> I would name the cat Surefire. <laughs> I think that's you getting a saucy cat, if anything. A, a Surefire. <laughs> surefire. Surefire. Yeah, we are going to drive forward and get things accomplished. So Love it. my cat is Surefire. All right. So next question, no more meetings or no more emails, which would you choose? I would choose no more emails at this point. Every day I wake up, I have about 150 to 200 that I have to answer. <sighs> they gave me a little wave of anxiety when you gave me that number. Yes, yeah, uh, it's, you know, I, I can do the meetings. I mean, we are. I'm about zoomed out like everybody else is, but mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm giving away one of my little secrets is that, you know, on a Zoom, when I'm not presenting, I have to listen. I have two laptops set up and I'm multitasking. So it, it really helps me get a lot of things done. You figured it out, ma'am. And for that, <laughs> <laughs> you win hack of the week. I, I don't think too many people can do that because <laughs> I'm usually am the listener. Like I need to see people's body or body language. I need to see faces. I'm really trying to read the room in most calls. So I don't think I could take a single note. Usually I'm just trying to have a recorder next to me to hear everything. I don't want to uh, leave this interview without talking to you a little bit about your fashion line that you've named after your granddaughter. So talk to me just a little bit and briefly oh, about how that got started and how your granddaughter has inspired fashion. Oh, my gosh. Well, our only grandbaby is now three and a half years old. She was born prematurely. We almost lost my daughter-in-law and my grandbaby in childhood. Wow. She had preeclampsia and it was very, mm. very close call. So my son lives in Shanghai. He works for a major company and we visited him uh, a couple of years ago and uh, I was inspired. I used to make my own clothes by the time I was a senior in high school, had 30 customers. I was an entrepreneur. I didn't know it at the time. I just knew I needed to make money over the summer. So I designed 75 pieces when I went to Shanghai. I had a wonderful seamstress who worked with me. I brought all the clothes back and they were just going to be for me. And I mm -hmm. thought, wow, I just want to do something in my granddaughter's legacy. So Bryla Josephine, Josephine is named after my mother. Mm -hmm. uh, so Bryla J. Couture Clothiers was launched uh, as Fashion for a Purpose. Part of the proceeds was donated to St. Jude Children's uh, Research Hospital in the March of Dimes in her honor, but it's fashion for purpose. The beautiful clothes, fabulous material. Uh, the fabric is just gorgeous and luscious, but uh, not the couture prices. So we were aiming toward 
the working class woman who wanted to look fabulous, but not uh, have to pay $2,000 for a jacket. And we so, do exist. Uh, I am. I love purses, and I'm always like, "Gosh, somebody paid three thousand dollars for that." And I'm going, "Oh, right. not retirement. I got a retirement savings. Retirement savings." So um, I appreciate you for stepping into that space. It's very well, much needed. We're gonna bring it back in 2022. Of course, we had a setback in 2020, like uh, most fashion lines did. Uh, my daughter-in-law actually runs that, and so we've been asked to bring it back. It's uh, brylaj.com, B-R-Y-L-A-J.com. You can go take a look at it. And we're going to resurge it in 2022. I look forward to seeing that. And with that, I want to say, Sharon, it has been more than a pleasure. And this has been a pleasant surprise this morning, just being able to talk to you and hear all the amazing things that you've been able to accomplish. I'm inspired. I hope everyone else hears this and is equally inspired by all the tremendous work that you've done. The fact that you are a steward of this earth and a citizen like no other, because you really do think about the community that you serve and the people around you and how everything you do impacts them. So thank you so much for your efforts and all your hard work. We appreciate you today on Raising a CEO. So thank you. Thank you, Emma. It has been my pleasure this morning. It's just been fantastic meeting you. And thank you for all your good work. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. You can learn more about the eco-friendly cleaning products that Sharon has developed at devmarproducts.com and find her on LinkedIn at Sharon W. Reynolds MBA. Find more episodes of Raising a CEO on all your favorite platforms and follow us on LinkedIn at Raising a CEO. We again want to thank our sponsors, Vich Noir and High Ground Hairspace. And until next time, guys, keep on growing. <music>